Hello, this is Nathan Ray, and this is my friend, Nad the Fox. Your mom gave you a totally awesome name, man. Yeah, that's honestly, like, literally as soon as I just signed up on social media, I just looked at my birth certificate, and it's like, yep, there you go. How do we know each other? I think we know each other on Discord. And no, not the character off of My Little Pony. I'm talking about Discord as in the Skype on steroids. Yes, we met through a specific server, correct? Yeah, uh, I think it was a Red Artist Network. I believe you had posted some music in the music channel. I took a look at it. I thought it sounded pretty awesome. Reminded me a lot of the Sonic music tracks from the Genesis era. And yeah, good first impression. You were a talented musician, and we moved on from there. Yeah, I, I will say, I think my first impression of you was you were practically the most straightforward person I could ever meet, you know? Really? Yeah, it's like, you don't exactly sugarcoat things, but you don't just trash anyone either. You you just give an honest opinion. Anything constructive is is honestly helpful. But there are times where, you know, it's like, we'll end up having a running joke after a while, and it doesn't go away. But at the same time, we don't always bring it up, which is honestly perfect. What kind of running jokes are you referring to? Uh, well, first of all, what's the? Uh, okay, well, I won't, I won't, I won't try to swear in any crazy words. So, um, I think when it comes to being uh, the first thing about straightforward, you know, something to something that really helped me understand more about the three D world was uh, you were teaching me how to model a character on Blender, and the inside joke. When it came to a specific part, we always talked about the model's buns. Yeah, those were America's buns, you know. Uh, <laughs> Steve Rogers all up in the buns. Would you say the straightforwardness is kind of abrasive at times? Or has it been more of a benefit for you because you appreciate people who are like that? It's honestly a good balance because you don't want to end up, you know, feeling like that they could rely on you. You know, it's like you made me feel like that I can actually do this on my own, or on, but you also help me understand what these things are without just spoon feeding the information. You know, you just come back after a little while. It's like, hey, maybe do this or maybe do that. You're, you're, you're practically just giving directions, but at the same time, you sort of had me do most of the stuff on my own. It's like a bird teaching their children how to fly, you know? Yeah, I kind of prefer that teaching approach. I've worked as a tutor on and off for the last two years, and I find that it's much more rewarding for the students to discover the answers on their own, because if you start feeding them the answers, then they're not actually learning anything and their grades start taking. So you don't want that to happen. Yeah, like instead of giving them the cheat code, you show them the concept. And honestly, that's like the best way of learning. You know, that's, that's kind of like the same way I got comfortable with, you know, doing math. So if you see me doing a math equation or something like that, it's because I'm comfortable and I understand it. That way was practically similar. And I just continued going from there. I didn't do it as much because you know, life gets in the way. But at the same time, I do it as much as I can. Speaking of life, how has God been working in your life over the past week? God... I'll say this. The last couple of months were interesting. It's like if God were like Mr. Beast or something like that, sort of just being like, hey, here's some benefits. Here's some good things for you. But also, here's a challenge. And I was like, okay, <laughs> this is a challenge. It's frustrating. I managed to get through it, but it wasn't too bad. I wasn't screwed over, you know? What kind of challenges did you face? And what kind of benefits did you receive? 
so I'm, I'm just going to say this beginning part of 2020 was practically I was cooped up in my house most of the time, you know, cooped up here. I couldn't even go out without feeling like I'm in danger, you know, but then so it was around July. I was also playing in a band, playing some gigs, and I did not feel safe because of the whole pandemic situation. And the venues that I played didn't make things uh, easier. It was after one gig that I just said I just had to leave. After that, I was stuck in my I was stuck in my house, still doing full time college. And then I was like, you know what? I need to find a way to get out of the house. Found that a place was hiring, applied there, got a part time job, and still managed to get school. Which honestly. If you consider that God's way of saying, hey, maybe here's an out for you, then I'm glad. <laughs> so the out was giving you an excuse not to play at venues anymore? Yeah, because that right now was my main source of income. And I was oh. just like, I can't do that. And like it's taken a toll both physically and mentally. Was it worth the money at least? It was worth the money, but I can only do that for so long until I have to do something that's more supplementary because things started shutting down and I can't just sit around, you know? It definitely has been a really weird season for musicians this year. Like so many people have had to play concerts online and you kind of miss the magic of being there in person. Yeah. And then there were like, not just musicians, but, you know, producers or just artists in general. You know, a lot of times you would see them outside or you see, you see a lot of people that say, you know, hey, I want to get into producing or I want to get into music, but they just never had the time because they're running all over the place. But because of the pandemic, they had time to sit down and actually start learning because, you know, they can't really go out or, you know, like under lockdown, you can't really go out, you can't visit people. You know, some people lost their jobs, some people ended up finding different jobs, but not only that, but to uh, make use of the time at home, you know, they pick up new skills. Yeah. And that's probably been a good benefit of this whole pandemic situation, even as the world is crashing and burning. Yeah, the world's on fire. Some parts literally, other parts figuratively. Yeah. On my end, the way that God has been working in my life, usually whenever I talk about this on the podcast, I like to go very deep, very personal. And something like that definitely happened within the last week. But it also requires me to go and divert my attention to explain a 20-minute backstory to you. And we do not have the time for that. So I'm going to take that moment. I'm going to put it aside until the next episode. And the moment I'm going to focus on right now is a much smaller moment. The other night I was in bed. I couldn't go to sleep. My left shoulder was hurting like crazy. I had work in the morning And eventually I came to a point where I knew that it was 2.45 a.m. I needed to get up at 6 in order to get to work. And it wasn't going to work out for me. So I quickly called my work sick line and said, hey, I can't come in. Just mark me as absent. And normally that would be a terrible thing because I don't like having to lose money. But it did give me an extra day of free time, which I was able to use to purchase groceries and work on finishing up my latest podcast episode. And so in a weird way, I had to sacrifice the time that I would have used for work in order to make money, but I was able to use that time to be productive in other ways, and arguably in ways that were still beneficial to me. The interesting thing about that story is last night, you know, 
when my sleep schedule was completely screwed, I was going to bed at midnight. I didn't have a hope of falling asleep until one. And so I'm praying to God saying, God, I need to get up early for work because if I don't, then it's not going to look good on my record. And I happened to wake up at six in the morning without needing an alarm clock. And I was like, thank you, God! Yes! It was a very small moment, but it was still a moment of presence. And honestly, that's... A lot of times, like, I'll have to go into sleep at around, like, either one or two in the morning. And because of that, I'll be thinking, I'm probably going to end up waking up at either nine or ten. But if it gets, like, to three in the morning or four in the morning or something like that, it's like, at that point, I'm just, like, going to bed. If I wake up in the middle of the day, at least I woke up. But I'll end up waking up, and then I just look at the time. It's like either 7 o'clock or 6 or 5. I'm like, I swear it could have been longer. Yeah. Did time just stop? (laughs) Maybe it did. Maybe you live in a supernatural bedroom. Honestly, if that were the case, I'd be both thankful and terrified. (laughs) Just imagine God manipulating this bedroom. Just like, it, it just becomes devoid of time for like a few hours. God, if that were the case, please stop. (laughs) As helpful as this is, (laughs) please, no. It just freaks you out too much? Just imagine that actually happening, and then I end up like, my birthday happens to be like five days before. (laughs) It's like, come on. Now let's transition from such reverent material over to our main discussion for today, and that's furries. Do you know anything about being a furry, Nad? No, not at all. Okay. Just not. Okay. <laughs> I, <just kidding. laughs> I think the thing about being a furry, the concept of, of a furry can definitely be misinterpreted because just like any kind of community, there are different sides. Like there's no one side. There's no one dimension. There's several. Think of it like a three-dimensional shape, like a cube. You know, like a cube is like six different sides and some might have more. But when it comes to the furry community, it's practically all down to one thing. It's just a lot of character creation <laughs> for the most part. A lot of people make these things called personas. And, you know, these personas can be used for a lot of things, actually. It's kind of like creating your own character for a story or for like a movie or something like that, you know? Think about Zootopia. I don't, I don't think, regardless of how people view that movie, it's practically of like somebody has had to sit down and come up with or somebody had to like pop their head off the pillow and just go i got an idea what if we had animals that are anthros and we made a movie about it what if we took the furry fandom seriously yeah right what if we made a movie that was just the furry fandom in a nutshell and they only had like a tenth of that accurate okay and then they end up making a billion dollars and win an oscar yeah, they made a bunch of money by scratching the surface. And honestly, I wouldn't, I wouldn't ask for anything better because that actually was not what got me into the fandom. It sort of goes back to, I think, watching a lot of even older, like old school cartoons, mainly because you think the furry fandom was a 2000s thing or a 2010s thing. The furry fandom doesn't stem from that. The furry fandom has been going for a very long time and you just tend to get new members at certain points. But It's not exactly a bad thing. It depends on how you view it. Some people tend to think this is probably going to get a bit dark, but I'll try to not be explicit on this one. Fair enough. 
there is one side to the furry fandom. I shall not speak the name of this, but think of it. Think of it as how do I say it? Are they like Voldemort? It's literally this side of the 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 side of the furry fandom that I'm going to be talking about is kind of like the Voldemort of the fandom. Every fandom has their Voldemort side. And I'm pretty sure people would know what I'm talking about when I say the Big Bang Theory, if you know what I mean. I don't know what you mean. Let's see. If a furry child, if it was like, what makes a furry child? Well, when Mommy Fur and Papa Fur love each other very much, and that's the Voldemort side, the amorous Voldemort side, if you will. The side that's obsessed with sex? There you go. <laughs> But let's just say that is probably the weirdest side that you'll find somebody who is very ignorant of the furry fandom. As soon as they hear furry fandom, they're going to think, oh no, great. Another hub. You mean another pervert? Yep. Another pervert. And then there's some people that tend to take that too far. Do you think those criticisms are well justified or do you think people are missing out on the better part of the fandom? The thing about that is, it's not all of that. It's kind of like thinking of one side, thinking of one aspect. It's kind of like a character who's, I don't know if this is going to insult anyone, but I'm pretty sure uh, there are some Hollywood companies that have done this a bit too much, where they make one character and they focus on one aspect and they think that's justifiable. And that's honestly like just the shallow thinking of it. It's like, yes, the fandom has this part, but that's not all. Like you could be a furry and not think about that stuff. And that's fine. You know, I, like if somebody were to be like, hey, you ever you ever watch this? And I was like, well, I've seen it. But, you know, like at the same time, it's like, hey, you might as well look at all the parts before you make your judgments. Like I do it for research going, ah, so that's what that is. Good to know. I'll stay away from it. But I'm not staying away from the fandom. Just it's kind of like knowing your way around it. It's like a city or a street, you know, if you know your way around a city, then every place has their parts to avoid versus parts that are considered safe. You just got to know which ones are which. So you mentioned that the furry fandom is like a cube with six sides. One of the sides is Voldemort. What are the other five sides? What are the five sides that are actually beneficial? So five sides, you know, like I wouldn't say this is a cube, but it's more than just two sides, you know. One of them is the Voldemort side where you don't like not everybody wants to talk about it, but eventually somebody will spill the beans. One other side is just the art of it, you know? Some people tend to make furry versions of like, I don't know, superheroes, dancers, like, you know, think of like the Nutcracker or something like that. And they'll end up making like beautiful pieces or beautiful like displays. And it's not meant to show like, oh, furries can, you know, furries are furries. It means furries are more than just animals, you know? It's practically characters that you can have do certain things and people can really enjoy them. But it doesn't mean that, you know, they're trying to take over everything. It's just a piece. It's just a thing of like, hey, what if this happened? And then as I say that, this is going into another side where people tend to write stories. People tend to make characters not just as personas or fursonas as they're called. They tend to make these things, like I said, I'm, I'm going to be going back to the Zootopia movie as an example, or B-Stars or, or BNA. You know, people would end up creating characters and concepts to tell a story. That's another thing that I appreciate as someone who's part of the furry fandom is like people are able to see past the ugly side and able to, and they're able to see the beautiful and more entertaining side. 
Are there any pieces of art that you could cite as something that you see as beautiful? Uh, <laughs> not off the top of my head because I completely forgot about that. Thanks for that spot. Um, honestly, when it boils down to it, you can look at anything from even even My Hero Academia or you know, because they, that story tends to have some characters that are part of that or tend to have those kind of aspects versus you can get TBNA. Those are shows. But even then, uh, when, it, when it comes to the artist, I can't call that one off the top of my head. But it's really just not about the art. Even Sound of the Hedgehog, you know, that one's sort of like a template for the furry fandom as well. And I don't think it's just one artist or one little concept that can drive people into the furry fandom, but it's now many sources. Even people who go fursuiting. <laughs> and, that, and that's another side where fursuiting is just sort of like, it, it's basically cosplay as your own furry character. That doesn't mean that, you know, you should be avoided. That doesn't mean you should be, that you're a creep. It just means you're being yourself, you know? You get to walk around playing as a character for a while until you have to take off the suit. How can you be yourself when you're playing a character? Well, a lot of times when furries tend to have a fursuit, it's not that they make a fursuit to play a character somebody else made, but they tend to commission a fursuit based off of a fursona of their own. So they can still be themselves, but at that point, it just becomes an extension of themselves. Now, I wouldn't advise all furries to do that because, one, financially, that is that can take a toll. Yeah, I've actually looked into getting a fursuit for the sake of playing a prank on some friends. I really just want to be able to dress up as a wolf and go to a friend's house and start dancing on their lawn. And they'd be asking me, hey, who are you? And I'd be like, well, you don't know who I am. <laughs> honestly, I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure people have done that. It's honestly a harmless prank. Well, for the most part, it's harmless. The other part of that is not only is it expensive, like if, if you budget that and you're able to invest in that, go ahead. It's like three thousand dollars though. Yeah, it's it's only three grand. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> honestly, they're they're fursuits that even go for hire and you tend to think apple users are are like the big spenders no 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 it's the people who go out of their way to commission a fursuit <laughs> those are the big spenders that's the other part you know not not every furry is going to have a fursuit though for multiple reasons one of them would be the financial part the other is uh okay i'll say this i would never get a fursuit because i live in florida this is the information I am comfortable giving out. Florida. I'm not going to say where in Florida, but Florida. Florida is like the Australia of America. It's like you'll end up getting alligators or mosquitoes and neither of those kill you. If you are super sensitive to heat, you do not want to be here. I know. I actually went down to Florida last year and I managed to get myself sunburned in the middle of winter. Yeah, Honestly, it's kind of like, you know, like any, anywhere else, you know, go to a bar and know your number when it comes to drinking. But with Florida, you come to Florida and you got to know your number with sunscreen. <laughs> it's not always beaches, but there is a jungle. But regardless, the thing that makes Florida's temperatures so unbearable is the fact that the air is always moist. Even in winters, it's like you'll end up getting like 60 or 50 degrees or you get to like the 40 degrees. You know, 40 is in like any other state because their air would mostly be dry. Any other state, the cold air is fine. But when you're here in Florida, 40 degrees, you have to take into consideration that the air is also wet 
and it's kind of like refrigerated water. It feels a lot colder than than it actually is. It gets cold in Florida? Yeah, but it doesn't snow. It doesn't get any lower than like 32 or 33, you know? Okay. Now let's get back to our topic of fursuits in Florida. First, it's in Florida. First, it's in Florida. If you can take the heat, sure. <laughs> Go for it, buddy. It's your funeral, though. Because <laughs> if you end up dying of a heat stroke, then that's that's how you die, you know? If, that, if that's the way you want to go out, you're brave. <laughs> dying in a fursuit. Like, if you're going to go fursuiting in Florida, make sure it's in the winter, because at least you can stay warm. <laughs> Why not have some kind of air conditioning inside the suit? I know it's going to be more expensive, but... Well, I don't think it's a fact of being more expensive. It, it's more the fact of how convenient is that going to be, you know? Because what you what you also have to consider is you're walking around and, you know, yeah, you get, you get a bit of air conditioning. Ventilation is one. That stuff's got to run because you can't plug yourself into a wall and expect to walk around like an entire mall or something like that, you know? Like, a lot of times it would have to be either battery powered or some kind of thing, you know? So having a fursuit is one thing, but to find a way to cool or keep yourself cool while wearing a fursuit is always the hardest part. Most of the time, fursuiting is just cosplaying. Have you cosplayed before at a furry convention in Florida? Have you been to any furry conventions? Honestly, I haven't gone to any furry conventions, but furry conventions, besides the theme of it, they're very similar to a lot of other conventions. You just have different focuses. The reason I say that is because, you know, I'm pretty sure people would know about, you know, Anime Con or Comic Con. Furry conventions are practically similar, you know. You tend to have performances, you tend to have panels, you tend to have meet and greets, you know, all that stuff. Like, it's not all that different if you think about it. Just the basic concept of a convention is all there, just with a different theme. With an extreme focus on people running around a convention center dressed up as animals. Yeah. I mean, honestly, there'll be some people who look at a furry convention, people running around in fursuits going, yikes, these guys are creepy. Yet you're going to have some people who who will look at people running around in fursuits going, bucket list. (laughs) You'll find one of either of them. I'm actually looking up the information right now. And even though all the conventions have been canceled for 2020, apparently there are three furry conventions present in Florida. Oh. Yeah. That's interesting. Do you think that being a furry is a lifelong endeavor or is it more of a phase? You know, there's always going to be people going in and out in the fandom. So it's, I wouldn't say it's a phase, but it's sort of a thing of like, you know, people come and go. Some people tend to stay because they they really enjoy it versus people think that they enjoy it. But after a while, they just sort of grow out of it. So to some people, it can be a phase. And then to others, you know, it depends on if if they really enjoy it. Can you imagine there being generational furries? Like, you'd get married, you'd have children, your children would grow up, and you'd encourage them to carry on the legacy of the furry fandom? Honestly, like, if I find out that my kid or kids are interested in the furry fandom, then... All I'm going to say is it, it, it's kind of like this, you know, like if somebody goes like, I think I might like furries, it's like, come on in, the door's open, <laughs> you know, welcome to the club. But um, I don't think you could ever push, you know, the next generation into something. But 
if it turns out that they're into the same thing, then hey, cool. I see plenty of parents who push Star Wars on their kids. Honestly, Star Wars, pushing Star Wars on the kids, you know, it's like, honestly, I would show my kids Star Wars, but they don't have to like, like it or get into it. It's like, if for some reason they're like, eh, it's all right, but it's not for me. It's like, good. It's cool. <laughs> Either way, you know, everybody, everybody has a different interest. You can push it, but if the next generation is not interested or anyone of the next generation is not interested, then cool. That's that. So on the flip side, how would you react if your kids came to you and said, Hey, daddy, dad, you bring me shame. Can you please stop liking photos on Instagram of all these foxes doing stuff with each other? Uh, honestly, I think it's a parent's job to embarrass their kids. Including your own? I'll do it. I won't try to humiliate them too far. But when it comes to like, dad, please stop. It's just like, you, you guys still associate yourself with me. So, uh, <laughs> but yeah. I think what it is is just sort of if the kids feel embarrassed and just be like, Hey, you do you, <laughs> you don't have to follow me on Twitter. You don't, or, or anything like that. You can literally do whatever the hell you want. As long as it doesn't harm people. That's all I care about. Would you encourage them to walk around in a fursuit in the middle of Florida? If my kids say, Hey dad, I want to walk around in a fursuit. First question I'd ask is out in the heat. In Florida, where it's like 90 degrees most of the time, if they nod their heads saying yes on that one, I'm I'm going to be like, your suits better have the breathing kind of fabric. Otherwise, I'm just pulling that plug. <laughs> like, if it was in the winter, I'd probably say go for it. But if it's in the summer, no. <laughs> I would say absolutely not unless you have a death wish because... The forces of nature are not kind to the summer. A question I've been wanting to ask a furry for the longest time, and it's something I asked a very close friend of mine, but he wasn't able to give me an answer. If people started despising furries so much that you guys weren't just actively mocked, but you were actually persecuted, people were taking you away, beating you up, trying to kill you, would you still try to cling to that kind of interest? Would you be willing to die for being a furry? I would literally grab the nearest baseball bat and carry it around with me. I'd be like, guys want to try me? Go for it. <laughs> so at the very least, you'd be willing to fight for your right. Yeah. Not going to say it's going to end peacefully unless the other people just back off. <laughs> but if they continue can't say that they've been warned you know but is it something that you're willing to die for honestly yeah because the thing is very not you know like if somebody's gonna try to give me flack for just being me like they're gonna try to shove some of the hate down anyone else's throats be like i'd be willing to not just die for it i'm going down without a fight well that makes for an interesting visual i'd really like to see you go around in a fursuit with a baseball bat in hand. I would tackle the first person that comes at me, so. <laughs> One more question I want to ask before we wrap things up. What do you see as the evolution of the furry fandom 10 years from now? Like, what do you hope for? 
honestly, it's kind of like this, where because the furry fandom not only has been going for a long time and not only just been growing, but they've been sort of developing into more than just one thing to the point where, you know, people can enjoy the aspect to where it's just, you're, right now, I think we're at the media kind of stage, entertainment stage, where that sort of interest has grown because of a lot of these that doesn't even have to be furry related, but people tend to go like end up furry everything or just slightly, or it's just it's either this or just not at all. And we're at that kind of stage right now to the point where eventually in the future, like 10 years from now, that kind of stuff will have been balanced out to where it's not just either, no, I don't want this at all, or yes, everything this. It's now just sort of a, okay, we can have it, we can have it moderate. I have a feeling that's what's going to happen like 10 years from now is we're going to find that kind of balance, you know? The way I see it, it's not just, you know, the furry fandom or just any kind of fandom. It's also, it also happens even with people in general, even with the uh, people who work on like the entertainment kind of mediums, you know, you, you find er, the, the creative mediums, they kind of start out with one way and then they grow into another when they find out something and you want to use that thing or you want to use something that grows a lot more. So it goes from like simple to complex from goes from like very little to everything. So since we're at the stage of like, we're just putting everything on there, eventually we're going to go to the stage where we sort of find a balance where it's not just going to be all or nothing. It's just going to be like, Hey, we can have a mix of both. And so you're not going to have the Voldemort side as strong as it is right now. You're not going to have people who are shelling out $3,000 for a fursuit because the cost of making those things is going to go down. Yeah, because it's like, you know, you can go all the way at times, you know, but sometimes you got to know when to say enough is enough, you know? Yeah, definitely. Anyway, I think this is probably a good place to end it. Before we go, is there anything you want to plug or promote? Not really, unless unless you count any social media. SoundCloud? I mentioned before that you were a good musician. Yeah, I'm still setting up SoundCloud, so I'll eventually get around to that one. But uh, yeah, Twitter, Instagram, what else? Twitch, YouTube, if that's the case. Um, But yeah, anything other than that, you know. We all got one life. How are we going to live it? I'm going to live my life for the next one. Yeah. Enjoy the time. That I will. Enjoy the time you have. Even if it's for a while, definitely live it. And don't die in a fursuit. Don't die in a fursuit, yeah. (laughs) Anyways, see you guys. This has been Because We're Not the Same, a podcast hosted, produced, and edited by Nathan Raymond Ray, with special guest, Nab the Fox. To listen to more episodes, you can follow us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Verbal, iHeartRadio, or Podbean. You can also visit our Facebook page or our website, bwntscast.wordpress.com. If you're interested in coming on the show as a guest, feel free to reach out to us, and we'll see about having you on. Thank you for listening.